0: Welcome to this podcast from St. Michael and All Angels Episcopal Church in Albuquerque, New Mexico. We hope you consider hitting like or subscribe. We hope you will share this audio with your friends and neighbors. Help others know about our inclusive, theologically progressive community of faith. If you'd like to support our ministries, you can make a gift at stmichaelsabq.org. Let us pray. May the word of God be spoken, and may the word of God be heard. Amen. Please be seated, my friends. What a blessing to be with you all on this particular day. If I have not yet met you, my name is Michael. I'm your bishop. I've been your bishop for five years. Today, (laughs) today is the day. Richard Hooker's day. I begin the sixth year of my consecration, as the letters will now say. And as we gather tonight to welcome people into this branch of the Jesus movement and also for all of us to reaffirm the promises that we make as a part of our baptism, we are thinking about the church today. We are thinking about the faith today. We are gathered here tonight to remember what it's all about and why we're here in the first place. And we have fascinating short text from the Gospel of John. So I want you to, you've got it there in your bulletin and I want to walk through it with you just briefly so you can see the power of what John is doing here in the gospel because John is laying out kind of the foundation of the architecture of what it means to be church. And I thought on tonight in particular, it might be helpful, particularly for those of y'all that are about to reaffirm your baptismal vows. It might be helpful for us to talk a little bit about what we're supposed to do when we're church. You follow me? All right. All right. So, What you will see here in the Gospel of John I wish I had brought the Greek so you could hear it because the construction of the sentences that John are using here there's a pattern and what you will see is Jesus is talking about and it gets kind of almost silly Jesus says as I am in you God and God, you are in me, so they are in me, and they are in you as you are in me, and I am in them. Right? It's that kind of stuff. Like John, just figure it out. All right? Like this is doesn't have does it have to be this complicated? And then he says, I am one with you, and you are one with me, and so may they be one with each other. As they are one with me and I am one with you and you are one with them because I am one with you, right? It's that kind of a construction that John is spooling out and when you read the Greek and you realize that there's no punctuation in Greek, it's like a giant run-on sentence of kind of confusion. Isn't it confusing, right? I mean, punctuation is a good thing. So the overall impact of confusion leaves us with a very clear point. Did you hear that? The impact of the confusion is a very clear point. Did you follow that? <laughs> very clear point is that there is a direct tie of unity between God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and you, and you, and me, and us. It is all wrapped together in such a way that like, well, it's kind of like shoelaces. I dig this one over here (laughs) it's it's like it's like shoelaces which which is the sense that although they zigzag and crisscross like all the way down your shoe when you pull on one it all pulls yeah like at a shoelace where all of a sudden you got one short end and the other one's like nine feet long and you're like how did that even happen and and it takes like a half an hour to pull on each of the little things to get that little thing to come to even it out. Have you ever had that kind of experience? The shoelace is differently, but it's all, right? (laughs) This, I think, is what John is talking about. And maybe the shoelace idea wasn't a great move on my part, but the idea that I really want you to understand is that the many God, as we experience God in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, there are not three of them. You got that, right? There is one God that we experience in three different ways, or sometimes the way I like to talk about it is, if you are looking at God, these are three good places to look. God the Father, if you want to know who God is, it's a good idea to look at creation And when you look at creation, realize that the universe can exist. The earth can spin around the sun without it being so gosh darn beautiful. The sun could set without it being an art show every night. But in the beauty of creation, we experience God's love, bringing us delight and joy. Water could flow downhill without it sounding nice. When you could get thirsty and drink water without it like, water tastes good. You know what I mean? Going to sleep, not always, I struggle with sleep sometimes, but going to sleep is a beautiful thing when you just, you see what I mean? Like, all that could happen without it being so wonderful, but it is wonderful because God loves you. So God as creator is a constant reminder of the reality of what God is and who God is. So if you want to look for who God is, creation's not a bad place to start. You want to know who God is? Look to the life of Jesus Christ. Not a bad place to start. Because if, if we were to imagine the, the uh, tremendous power that created the universe, and we were to imagine that that giant, tremendous power is greater than all of the stars and the force of the sun, the power that is greater than gravity, was going to come into the world to judge the world? What would you expect? I would expect something at least as ominous as Darth Vader, <laughs> entering, you know, in, in Star Wars Episode Four, which is really the first one. I don't know what those other three were about. But the, the, the first one, episode four, you know when you first see Darth Vader and he enters the ship and it's something at least that ominous is what we would expect the great power of the universe coming to judge the world to be like. Yeah? But what do we get? We get an infant baby. Powerless Not only a baby, but a baby born to a woman so far on the margins of society that she is not respected in her community. Her her marriage is not okay with the neighbors. And then she and Joseph, who is completely misunderstood, they travel as undocumented refugees who are then persecuted by the powers that be And then when he grows up, Jesus spends his whole life like fighting with the religious people because the religious people keep trying to tell him that it's not about love. If you want to know something about God, look to the life of Jesus. If you want to know about God's judgment of the world, hear Jesus when he says, neither do I condemn you. God comes with love into a world where even the religious authorities want to exercise power and control. If you want to know about God, so as our presiding bishop says, if it ain't about love, it ain't about God. If you want to know about God, look to the Holy Spirit. And in the Creed, we have two historical, creeds. One, the Apostles' Creed, one, the Nicene Creed. In both of those creeds, it is a list of, if you want to look for God, here's something to pay attention to. God, creator of all that is. Jesus who arrives powerless, brings a message of love, who in vulnerability dies and through death shows how weak violence is. And then there's a whole section on the Holy Spirit. And particularly in the Apostles' Creed, the church is mentioned as a manifestation of God in the world today. Three ways of encountering God. And then the Gospel of John says how all of those ways are wrapped up together and they're the same thing in just that way. We are connected to Jesus without a gap, without a distance. And in Jesus, we are connected to God the Father and God the Spirit. All the power that created the universe is in you and in me without a gap, all bound together into one. Like when you pull on one end of the shoelace and the other end moves. So, Jesus says, Church, If y'all are going to be like me, if there's no distance between me and y'all, then maybe it's a good idea for y'all to do what I do. The theologian and biblical scholar David Ford wrote a commentary on the Gospel of John in honor and preparation for the Lambeth Conference, which happened a year ago. The Lambeth Conference is every 10 years all the bishops in the Anglican world gather together. We're from all over the world. I think there were 17 different languages spoken in the midst of that gathering, 750 bishops, give or take. And David Ford wrote a commentary on John for us to work on during that conference. And in his commentary, David Ford says there are a few things which Jesus does in the Gospel of John which if the church is supposed to be one with Jesus, we ought to think about doing. And so I want to read to you this list. And as I read the list, I want you each to be thinking about, I hope that as I read this list, everything I read you'll go, yep, do that. I know exactly how I do that. And Vestry, as we go through this list, I hope everything I read, you go, oh yeah, same like on all angels, we do that. I can tell you exactly how we do that. But maybe, if you're like me, there's going to be something on this list where you go, huh. Maybe I could think about doing that a little. You ready for the list? Okay, now remember, this is, this is the theologian David Ford looking at the whole Gospel of John and naming The kinds of things that Jesus does with the implication being that because we are in Jesus and Jesus is in us and because we are in Jesus and Jesus is in us, we are one with God. And because we are one with God and because God sent Jesus and Jesus sent us, our job as church is to take this being like Jesus out into the world around us. Right? The church is always turning out. Okay, here's the list. Number one thing church do that Jesus did all the time, be steeped in Scripture. He's folks about it. He's studying it. He's opening it and sharing it with his followers. Be steeped in Scripture. I hope that Sunday morning is not the only time you read that Bible. And I hope you don't just read it. I hope you ponder it. I hope you argue about it. I hope you study it. Second thing. The thing that Jesus does that we ought to do as church, and I love the way he, he, he captures this. Jesus was steeped in Scripture. second thing Jesus did was form a learning community which is a great reminder that the practice of the faith is a learning kind of a thing. In a world where lots of people think religion is about obeying some power who is telling you what to do and how to think, remember what Jesus did, which was to form a community of learners. We are first disciples, we are first followers, we are first students. And please, God, may we never lose that. So be a community of learners. Third thing, teach. Teach what's learning. Not just in the church. Teach the way of love in your neighborhood, in your workplace. Teach the way of love with your family members who drive you nuts. Teach the way of love to the people on the other side of the political spectrum who want to claw your eyes out. Teach. The practice of the faith in a world that is broken and hurting. Find the lonely and those who are rejected by society and let them know that they are beloved of God. We can't teach what we haven't learned, so we've got to keep learning, but we also got to teach. Fourth thing Jesus did that the church ought to be about Again, I love how David Ford phrases it. David Ford says, Jesus did signs of abundant life for others. And this category in which David Ford talks about the miracles and the feeding and the healing, do signs of abundant life for others, St. Michael and all angels. Feed the hungry clothe the naked, visit those in prison, care for those who have no hope, do signs of abundant life in a world of scarcity, in a world that says if you can't afford it, you can't have it, do signs of abundant life. David Ford says, this is another thing Jesus did, something we should do as church. David Ford says, Jesus always made sure is constantly engaged in repeated face-to-face encounters. Y'all come to church. Because when you're not here, when we're not face to face, when we don't see the beloved community and all its diversity gathered together, because I know sometimes it's nice to stay at home and watch on the on the screen and have a cup of coffee with your slippers on. I get it. But this repeated face-to-face encounter thing is real. We need each other. The clergy aren't up here doing it for you. You got to do it. Jesus also washed people's feet. And in that, we, the church, should remember that our job is to be humble, willing not to lord over people and use power, but willing to kneel down and take people's stinky, smelly, nasty feet in our hands with warm water to care for them, out of love for them, because their physical body was made by God and deserves to be treasured, and so does your physical body. Wash one another's feet, not just in here. Let us turn out to the world. And in humility, wash the feet of those we meet out there. And finally, the thing that Jesus did all the time, which we must do, is pray. Be in constant, dialogue. Fears and your struggles and your worries. Pray every day, not just once. Pray throughout the day. Practice prayer. If you don't feel comfortable, if you'd like to learn other ways to pray, if your prayer life is stale, that's when we go back to school as a learning community. We come here to learn to pray. That we might be one with Jesus and thus one with God as God is in Christ and Christ is in us and we are bound together in one another. My dear friends, the practice of the Christian faith is not a matter of believing things. It is a matter of doing things with full hearts. Amen.